that was a tough one. Um, and how we are supposed to act different and just like everything else and be different than everybody else when it comes to how the uh, world events go. Tonight we're going to continue that thought uh, from 1 Peter and uh, we'll just read a, a few uh, of the verses there and uh, I got another ESV just for some reference tonight but uh, and we'll talk about it and it's about being servants, being a good servant. Um, and it kind of goes along with the path that we talked about the last time when it comes to those in authority. But he goes a little more specific uh, with this about how to live in this dark world, how to live in this world where, you know, uh, it's really might is right, that uh, it's all about ourselves, it's all about what we can get out of this world, what we can do, and we don't want anybody to do anything to us. And he gets into that a little bit uh, tonight. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, Beginning at verse 18, we'll go about verse 25. It says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, who committed no sin, nor was deceit uh, found in his mouth. Did I skip? Yeah, I skipped verse 21. Oh, for this is, uh, this is you, uh, for this, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseers of your soul. So, uh... Let's start here just with verse 18 to begin with. He says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Now see, this, I think, kind of ties in with what we talked about, about those in authority. It didn't say treat them with respect, do good toward those individuals, just the ones that you like, just the ones that you think are doing a good job. It didn't say that. It, it, it's talking about all. And here's the same way. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. So when you think about this, some translation says slaves, uh, be submissive to your masters. Uh, New King James, the ESV, and others say servants. I believe that's a little bit more of what he's uh, uh, talking about. Because when we think about it, usually when people... And we're going to do that a little bit tonight. When people think about this passage, you know, you can compare it to how we work today. How an employee or employer, what that relationship is and how we should be on the job and things of this nature. But it goes, it goes much farther than that because if you think about being a servant or being a slave during the time Peter wrote this, uh, uh, you know, they didn't have the ability to... You know, it wasn't voluntary, but it could be voluntarily. How, how could you be a, a, a voluntarily a servant or a slave 
in that time? Is there any way that you could do it voluntarily? Yeah, uh, you could actually get paid to do it. You could, especially if you were needing money, or you could become a slave if you owed someone money, you would be a slave to them until you got it paid off. Or if you were conquered, if you were a conquered person, then, then you, you would be a slave. So there's a lot of different ways a person can enter uh, servitude. Uh, uh, matter of fact, in this time, it, it's noted from uh, many different historians during the time Peter wrote this, uh, especially during the Roman time, almost probably about 40 to 45% of the population was in uh, servitude. They, they, they were slaves because of uh, a lot of different reasons. One, they, uh, through economics they were, through force they were. There was a lot of different ways. Um, but you've got to think of it too. There's some ways in which they were uh, where some of them were mistreated, they were beaten. They were treated harshly. Some wasn't given the food they needed. They didn't have an opportunity to leave. So if you were in that situation, how would you feel when, when you read these words of Peter through inspirations, be submissive to your masters with all fear? ESV says with respect, because I don't think the Bible was actually talking about fear, because God even says don't fear the one that can do what? Destroy the body. Fear the one who can both the soul and the body. So I think respect is actually more of the word that it's using here. You don't only be submissive, but you do it with respect. You always act within a certain way, no matter what the other person is doing. Now, that doesn't mean you like it. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, there's... No matter what someone does to us, that never gives us the right to sin, does it? It doesn't matter what they do. And I think this is what Peter is getting at because the world, okay, you treat me bad, you whoop me, I'm going to whoop you. You punch me, I'll punch you. You shoot me, I'll shoot you. You treat me harshly, I'll treat you harshly. It's retaliation is what it mostly is. And, and Peter is teaching it from a different angle. He said, you don't act like that. If you want to live in this world and be a Christian and be a servant of God and do what God says, you listen to what he says. And what he says is you live differently. So... But think about being someone in this situation and reading this. You think it would have been hard to be different than everybody else? You think it would be uh, difficult to uh, treat someone with respect that may be harsh towards you or not treating you right uh, as a servant? But it can be done. I think we've got examples of that. I think uh, Joseph is a good example of that, isn't it? Do you think Potiphar was a, a good master? I don't know, you look at how his wife was, I don't think he would have been much better at, at what was going on. I don't think he was the best person in the world. But look how Joseph even prospered uh, in the situation that he was in, even when he got thrown in prison. When, when he was in those situations of servitude, when his brother sold him into slavery, look how he did. Did he do it by being harsh toward them? Did he do it by, you know, bad-mouthing them? Did he do it by retaliate and treating them awful? How did he live? Do you think he was respectful? Do you think he lived as a child of God? And look how God took care of him. You say, well, that was part of God's plan. All of that was providence that Joseph would be in the place that he's supposed to be in uh, when his family needed 
him to save their life. Well, could we say that by any of us? That if we live the way that God wants us to live, will we be in the place that God wants us to be at the time he wants us to be there? I, I think so. But what if we don't? Where would that put us? See, that's, that's what Peter's going to get into. We're not doing it for that person. We're doing it for God. That's how we're living our life. We're doing it so we can be what God wants us to be and in the place that God wants us to be at the time we need to be there in whatever case that may be. You know, you can't look back and, and say, okay, here's the providence of God. I see God wants me here, here, and here. But we can look and say, this is where the Bible tells me how I need to live my life. And whatever situation I'm in, it may be a pretty tough situation. And that's where uh, they're getting at. He's saying here, you be submissive with respect to your masters, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. Notice what he says in verse uh, 19. Well, did I put Colossians up there? Let's go to Colossians. Paul says something about this. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. So he says here, you don't do it just for eye service. You don't do it just to please men. What you're doing is pleasing God. That, that's, that's why we're here. We're going to get into verse 21. You always say, well, what's our calling or what's our purpose as a Christian? He tells us in verse 21, and it may not be something we want to hear. But he says, this is why you're here. This is what you're supposed to do. This is part of the Christian life. When you act different than everyone else, sometimes it's not a pleasant experience. But you're doing it for God. You're not doing it for man. Verse 19. He says, for this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongly. Let's, let's just go on to verse 20. I don't know if I put them together, but I want to tie these two together. He says, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? So he says here, starting in verse 19, for this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongly. Now here's the key to it. We're suffering wrongly, not suffering because of something that we did wrong. There's a big difference in that. He says, you know, there's blessings in this. You're doing this for conscience toward God. You're enduring these griefs. You're enduring, enduring this suffering because you're enduring it uh, suffering wrongfully. You didn't do anything to deserve this. You know, your master, if... if if you're doing everything like you're supposed to do and your master is still treating you harshly, he said, you still be submissive, you still be respectful, you're, you're suffering, but it's suffering wrongly, and God said, I take note of that. I, I know what you're going through. I see what you're going through. But he says here in verse 20, but what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. So he says the flip side of this is, if they're beating you or whipping you or treating you harshly because you're retaliating against them, then there's no credit for that. That suffering doesn't amount to anything for you. You're not getting any credit for it because you did something to deserve that. See the difference in that? It, and there's a lot of ways in which uh, we can suffer. We can suffer because of our own doing. Um, we can suffer because of you know, consequences for our sins, uh, of something that we may do in the flesh, and now there's consequences in the flesh because of that. 
We can suffer because of something we're doing because God does it. Uh, the time of Noah. You know, God hit the reset button. Why did he do that? Was it consequences of sin? Yeah. They, they suffered because of sin. Sodom and Gomorrah. God rained down fire and brimstone on them. You know, like a, a heavenly flamethrower on them. Why? What was the purpose of that? Were they suffering wrongfully? You can say no on that. That's Sodom and Gomorrah. They weren't suffering wrongfully. They suffered because of what they were doing. So there's a difference in why a person suffers. And we've got to realize that in that process, what Peter is saying here, there's going to be times that you go through things that is not by your doing. You're doing everything right. You're doing everything like you're supposed to do it, but you still may suffer. You may still suffer at the hands of someone who's harsh. We can take it as, uh, uh, as far as an employer or an employee. You know, what if uh, uh, I don't like my boss? What if I think my boss is a crook or I think my boss is, uh, 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 does harshly? I don't agree with what, what they're doing. Um, you know, I come up with this idea and uh, then I, I go to my supervisor and I tell them about this idea and they go upward and they implement that idea, but my supervisor, he gets the raise, he gets the bonus because uh, he takes all the credit. You know, what if you get in those situations? You know, there's everyday situations we can find ourselves in to where we can say, that's not fair. That, that, that's not fair. I, I, I'm treated harshly and it's not fair. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, you're, you're working at work. You're working constantly. You're doing all that you can. And then there's somebody over here that just works every time the boss is around. But they get the raises. They get the promotions. They get all of this. You don't get any of that. Well, you, you, you're treated wrongly. What do you do about that? I mean, these are, I mean, we could go on and on. These are everyday scenarios, aren't they? People face these kind of things all the time. So what do we do when we've got an employer that's, not fair, that treats us harshly, that now we're not on the verge of what they were going through here. We're not being beaten, or we shouldn't on the job, because, you know, if I was getting beaten, I believe I would, you know, I wouldn't even give two weeks' notice. I think I'd go ahead and leave. See, we have that option. What Peter was talking about here, they don't have, they don't have that option. So they were facing some pretty harsh things, but we can put this in everyday things. What if I retaliate against that? Well, I'm just going to quit doing anything on this job. I'm just going to sit around like everybody else does. They do that, and then, you know, something happens. You get fired or something like that. Well, why? You got fired because you, you wasn't doing nothing. Well, you don't know how the boss was. It don't make any difference. You wasn't doing what you were supposed to. And see, there, there are situations that we find ourselves in, and Peter's saying here, we've got to act differently. You know, we've got to act in such a way that the world looks at us. Remember he said that at the beginning of, of chapter 2. He says, when evildoers speak evil of you, when these people speak evil of you, don't give them something to speak about. Don't, don't give them something where they can say, well, look what Ronald did, or look what Ronald said, or look how Ronald did that. And I tell you, it can be difficult. You know, Sometimes you have to bite your tongue, you have to sit on your hands, you have to take a walk, you have to do a lot of things, sometimes just to keep your composure sometimes. But that's what you're supposed to do. You've got to make sure that you don't. Now, does that mean we can be that, uh, 
you know, we, we take this and we say, does that mean I just have to be passive as a Christian, that I can't ever say anything, I can't ever stand up for myself? I don't think that's what Peter is saying. I can stand up for myself and not sin. You know, I can stand up for myself and not, re, not be uh, retaliating against someone. It, it, it's, it's our attitude and it's our actions. So he's telling us here, you want to know how to live in a dark world. You want to know how to live in a world that everybody else has just gone nuts, it seems like. And we're supposed to be different than the world. We're supposed to be sanctified, justified, set apart. So set apart is we're different than everybody else. At what point do we start acting like it? Or is the only reason we're different is because we've got something to do on Sundays and Wednesdays? That, that we, we don't go, you know, uh, we're not out doing other things during church time. We're, we're in the church building. Is that the only thing that makes us different than what the world is? There's got to be something else. And I think as Peter discusses these things, these gets into, this gets into the hard part of things that we face every day that it's easy to fall into that trap of doing what everybody else does. So, he says there's going to be suffering, and, but there's a difference in suffering. There's suffering because I'm doing what I'm supposed to, and I'm still suffering because of it. You still do what you're supposed to do. Then there's suffering because I didn't do what I was supposed to. I retaliated, and I could have made it worse. He said there's no credit in that. You're not doing that for the Lord. You're doing that for yourself. You're not doing that for anybody else. You're doing that to please yourself because you want the satisfaction of knowing somebody can't do that to you. And that's what we want to think sometimes. Um, so how do we apply this? How do we, what are some things that we can do? Uh, and I'm just generalizing here, but how, how do we do that? Whether it's at work, whether it's uh, in our everyday lives, when we put ourselves in a situation where we're mistreated. How do you, how's the best way to get out of that situation and still be the Christian that we're supposed to be? Is there any way? And, and that's one thing I like how the Bible does and, and what God in his infinite understanding he, he, there's a lot of it's not that God nowhere in here does Peter say through inspiration that these are what these masters are supposed to do you know you just have to just suck it up and do it because that's who masters are and I approve of that it, nowhere does it ever say that and, and there's a lot of situations in scripture to where what God does, he says, okay, this isn't a good situation, but here's what you do when you find yourself in that situation. I don't approve that situation. It's not a good situation. You know, it may be a situation out of your control, but he says, here's what you can control. You can control you. You can't control the situation. You can't control the person. It's not a, it's not a good situation. As Titus said that, you know, Paul talked about, remain in that situation. If you can get out of it, good. You know, and some could. 
Some could save up money. They could buy their way out of it. They could be released. There's a lot of ways in which bond servants at that time could, could be released. If you can, fine. If you can't, he says, here's how, what I'm going to tell you to do. Here, here's how you live in this situation. If you can't get out of it, then here's what you do. And it's not easy because it goes against everything that your, your natural body wants to do, but here's what you're supposed to do. I'll get to you in just a second, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, and we can get carried away, especially at ball games when emotions carry away. Especially in, uh, I didn't realize how much yelling actually went on at a little small t-ball game from parents. I, I, I walked over to one field because I'm thinking uh, this is a major league game going on over here, and it was still a t-ball game over there too. And this, these one, uh, uh, I don't know if they parents, grandparents, or relatives or whatever, they were screaming at this kid, you know, do this. Do, I'm like, he's five. You know, well, exactly how much is he going to do here, you know? You know, he's picking up the ball. He's not like this and over here, you know, out making dirt angels. You know, at least he's got the ball in his hand. You know, I think that's pretty good for a five-year-old, you know. But they get to scream and get, and people do. They, we get so caught up in things that uh, I, I think we just, because when emotions especially gets involved, and ki with kids, with with situations, with, uh, anything that becomes personal to us, then sometimes we can get let our emotions get away from us. We sure can. I tell you, you're absolutely right. And I tell you, I, I have been applying that. You know, because I've been, I have, I, and I'll tell you why. For the last pretty good while, I forgot what sermon I did one time, and my wife told me all the way home, now you need to do, practice what you're preaching, practice. So every morning before I go to work, I have a prayer before I go through text. Uh, and I tell you, I hadn't tried to run over nobody. I hadn't went to work mad. You know, I've just, you know, sometimes if, if it goes right, I have to go willing and go around because I just don't know if I can take it that morning. But I, I have, that has been my... Uh, I, I just get so frustrated of, of entitlement, it just drives me nuts, you know. So I'm thinking, why does this get me so upset, and, you know, how does this, most of it stays confined in the truck. I've not actually run over anybody yet. I've gotten, you know, I've almost tapped a few people, but, you know, most of it's just me fussing in the truck by myself. But I'm thinking, you know, why does this bother me so much? So I have. I've started praying on the way to work, and it makes a big difference. And, and it's specific. Now, I pray every morning, but this is a specific prayer. You know, help me keep my emotions under control today. Help me, you know, see the, the, the good in people. Help me, you know. And it does make a difference. I mean, it really does make a difference. It wouldn't make no difference the way I drive. So, <laughs> so I've been told it doesn't make a difference. 
but uh, and I'm not saying that's the first time I just started had an epiphany and just started praying, but I have over specific things that I think I struggle with the most in certain situations. I've always just said I'm going to just take a breather here, pray, and then and then go on with that situation, and it does help. I mean, it really does help because it it keeps you to be. And Peter gets into this, and we're going to get this in previous lessons, that, that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And how do we beat that? By being vigilant and being sober-minded. I can't do that if I'm raging mad. I'm not clear thinking. I'm not vigilant doing the right thing, are we? You know, if we let our emotions get unchecked, then, you know, we can't be vigilant of what's really going on. And we, we can't be sober-minded and clear-thinking to think of, okay, here's the situation. I may not can control that, but I absolutely can control me. How am I supposed to do that? And God tells us. He tells us exactly when you're in situations to where you want to react in a certain way. And here, when, when your masters are harsh with you, when they're beating you, when they're doing things, and it's not because of anything that you've done, He says, here's how you are supposed to live. You be submissive. And you do it with respect. And just think if we lived our life that way. That's what we thought every time before we did anything. How does this look to the world? Am I letting my light shine like I should? Have I got my emotions in check? If we always take that, as Jeremy said, that breather, just a few seconds. You know, take that breather to start with. I think we'd make little different decisions. I'd have to speak for myself. I know I would, and I do. I, I make different decisions. Yeah, it can, uh, uh, and, and sometimes we don't, it's, it's easy, I mean, Peter puts it in a, a slave or servant and master situation because I think that's what, you know, the majority of we're dealing with at that time and wanting to know, okay, how am I supposed to live here? What am I supposed to do? And he's dealing with that. But I think the principles still apply today for any situation of how we're treating somebody. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, keep your daughters. I'm going somewhere else. You know, this ain't worth another another time out here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we kind of talked about this a little bit in our Sunday morning Bible class about bitterness. You know, you think of all those commands that he gives about going the extra mile, giving your cloak. You know, it, it would it's easy to 
put on that pack because you have to and stomp and grumble and complain for that mile. But what if you did that without grumbling and complaining and then just keep walking another mile? How do you, what do you think that soldier's going to do? Hey, this is different. <laughs> this looks different. I, I'm not used to this. I'm used to having to fuss with them the whole mile and I'm taking pleasure because I'm making their life miserable. You put on that pack, put a smile on, say, I don't mind a bit doing this. Matter of fact, I'll do it another mile for you. Well, what are they going to do? Is it going to be easy for them to fuss at you? Is it going to be easy for them to, you know, uh, do those things? I think you can change people that way. And, I, and that Peter even talked about this uh, a few verses before when he talked about, you know, you, you may bring them to a different decision in the day of visitation. In other words, when Christ comes back, they may be in a different position because of how you acted, because of uh, they've they seen what you were doing. Golden rule. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I tell you, we, we forget how that says, you know, we, we wait and say, okay, they did something good to me, so I'm going to do something good to them. What, he, what we're supposed to do is look and say, okay, how would I want this person here to treat me? That's how I'm going to go ahead and treat them now. I'm going I'm to go ahead and treat them that way. That, that's what he's talking about. You do good to them, you know, uh, because it's the right thing to do, not because they did good or not because of this. You do good because that's what we're supposed to be doing anyway. And, and that's not, it's not easy to do. You know, I, I've been in a situation to where I've got frustrated at somebody at work and, and wanted them to do things a certain way and, it, and I wanted to get more. And then I had to realize part of the problem was I expect them to be a mind reader. You know, you should automatically know this is how I want it. Instead of me just explaining it, I just, I want it this way. And then come back and it's not that way. And then you're like, well, you're worthless. Well, I'll just go and do it myself then, you know. I didn't say that, but that's what I think sometimes. And But I realized, okay, maybe I didn't say everything I thought I said. I say more in my head, and I think I say it out loud sometimes. Because I'm, I'm very cautious because sometimes I'm like, did I say that out loud? Was I really that rude or something? So I say more in my head than I say out, and then sometimes I don't realize I didn't actually say it. So we can be on both sides of this, but it really just goes back to we just got to be different. And it takes practice. It takes habit. It takes, you know, just you're going to decide today this is how I'm going to live. No matter what anybody else does, no matter what they say, no matter how they treat me, it's not going to change who I am. It's not going to change what I'm doing. It's not going to change what my attitude is. And that, that's not an easy thing to do, but that's exactly what he's saying uh, that we should do. But notice here, he says, But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So again, the good kind of suffering, we're suffering because it's wrong. We're, we're suffering just because we're living like we should. For it's not our fault that we're suffering. He said, God, this is commendable for God. God knows this. He, he takes note of this. It's not like he, he doesn't know what's going on. But most importantly, God is saying, don't you worry. I'll take care of this. I, I'm, I, you know, we've been, we, we've seen that time and time again with David throughout Psalms. You know, David tell him, you know, do, God's going to do this to my enemy. He's going to destroy them. He's going to do these things. David didn't take this into his own hands. He relied on God that God's going to take care of it. And if we do that, realize that vengeance is mine, says the Lord, then we will have our vindication. 
but it's just not in how we act uh, today. Look, starting here in verse, uh, 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 well, let's just go 21. And he, he tells us, now this is the key to it. Look, he says, For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Now, did you hear what he said? <laughs> what do you think? We're, what, we're not here to, what, why are we here? He says, This for this, for to this you were called. What? When you suffer wrongfully, act this way. This is what we're called to do. This is how we're supposed to be living. And here's why. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. He says, you want a perfect example of this lived out? Just look at Christ. You want to look what it, what it looks like to be treated wrongfully and then have the right kind of attitude toward it, just look at Christ. Then he goes on here in verse 22. And we always go to this verse about who Christ committed no sin, nor was guile found in his mouth. But look what it's in the context of. He's talking about it in the context of suffering. He says, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges Rightfully, uh, righteously. So notice what he says. Here's why we do this. You want an example of this? Because Christ suffered. You want to know what he did when he suffered? When he was reviled, he didn't revile back. When he was, uh, uh, when he suffered, he didn't threaten. One time did he say, "Who did you just hit? You want to slap me in the face? You know who I am. You want me to prove who I am? Wound, DRT, right there. He could have done it." That, I tell you, to me, that's the greatest example of, you know, I, every time I think about that, I think about Christ praying in the garden. And I think he knew how tough that was going to be. The, the flesh side of him, how tough it was going to be not to rain down legions of angels on individuals because of how they were, uh, he was about to be treated. You know it had to hurt. You know it had to be painful. It had to be embarrassing. Can you imagine somebody coming up and spitting in your face? What would you do? Yeah, I, I think I would have to, I mean, I'd have to, I mean, I'd bite my tongue completely off and I believe I'd, set, I'd have to stomp on my hands. I, I just could not, I couldn't imagine that. You know, I, I could not imagine that. I used to watch a lot of, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched Live PD. Anybody ever watch Live PD? I like to watch them tase them. I mean, that just, that tickles me to see them get tased. But, uh, I just couldn't. I mean, like I say, I'd watch that, that police show and they'd spit on them, so they'd put that little hood on them. They'd put them in the car, and I said, I'd put them in the car, and I wouldn't put a seatbelt on them. I'd hit them brakes so hard, you know, without, oh, I forgot to put a seatbelt on. I'm sorry. You know, I thought, spit on you? But I, I, I'd watch some of them, and I'd think, now that is restraint. You know, they still treat them courteously, you know, or the ones I've seen on there did. 
And I'm thinking, you know, that's really what you're supposed to do. They do it because that's what they're supposed to do is in, in their authority. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, you know, I, I, like, I make jokes and things, but it's, it's a hard thing to do. Our, our fleshly, our, our natural part of us, you know, that, that's our natural response. It would be to do that. I don't know anybody who would get spit on and say, oh, that doesn't bother me at all. Go ahead and spit on me. I'm fine and just smile. I mean, I don't know, you know, but he's given an example here of Christ saying when this happened to him, this is what he did. And he did that for an example. You know, we think about just him dying on the cross and, and being raised and, and doing that for our sins, and he did, and he goes on to explain that. But that whole process was for our example. Here's how you're to act. There's going to be things that's, that you have to endure because you're a child of God. You know, Jesus endured that because of who he said he was. Isn't that why he went through what he did? If he didn't say, well... Anything about that, would they have done that to him? Well, no. It's because of who he said he was and, you know, political power and all that. But, you know, if he, if he just backed off and didn't say that and didn't live that, wouldn't went through that. But, of course, we know we couldn't do that. But the same thing applies to us today. Because of who we are and what we, what we represent, we're going to be treated in a certain way because of that. And he says, here's how you do that. You leave, you leave the, the, the wrath to me, God says. You, you leave that out of the way. That has nothing to do with what you're doing right now. The wrath part is my part. And, and they will suffer because of that if they don't change. He said, I'm taking note of that. That's commendable to God when you suffer like that. God says, I know. But that still doesn't change how you're supposed to act. That still doesn't change what you're supposed to do. And he says, in doing that, here's the example. When, when somebody's doing something to you during the day and you think it's harsh or you think it's cruel, just think about what Christ went through. Just think about the example that he left. And then I think that will kind of change uh, what we're thinking about that. Again, he said, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges rightly. In other words, he committed himself to God. It, it, it's about what God wants. It's not about what these individuals are doing to me here. It's all about what God wants. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died, uh, uh, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. So here's another thing that I think he adds that's a, that's a great selling point for what he's saying here. He says, okay, they're, they're suffering for wrong, the wrong suffering but he says here's what Christ took care of for you we deserve death because of our sins because of what we did we deserve a certain kind of punishment but here's what Christ did to take that for us and if we live for him then he took that away from us so that part of the suffering we don't have to endure because we've changed we, we give our life over to him we're obedient to him and do what he says because of how he lived. He says, by whose stripes, who is on his own body, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. 
For you were like sheep gone astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. God is saying, no matter how we're treated here, if we're living for Him, we're still in His protection. He, he's still taking note of what His children are going through. Again, this is, this is another one that's not easy. But if we want to know how to live in this world, Peter says, this is how you have to do it. This is what we're supposed to be. This is where, as they say, the rubber hits the road. This, this is not just preacher talk. This is Christian living. It's out of the building, living everyday life, everyday situations, everyday scenarios. This is how you, you're to live. And I think it can go a long way if we really apply these things and practice these things.